right, all right, all right. Welcome to another thrilling episode of Truth and Reconciliation. It's the Pellwood Fantasy Football League podcast. He's Peter Elwood. I'm Seth Martin. It is great to have you with us. Peter, I hope to hell that you are miserable. How are you, sir? I would be miserable. I don't, I don't understand. Because if, any, if anything would get you on tilt, it would be the false hope of week four. Like week three, I understand. But come on. Come on. Like you had a chance to win and he crept up on you nearly 100 points. Surely you're ticked off now. Come on. Give it to us. This is what we want. Feed us. And honestly, that feels like a really long time ago. We've had so much. <laughs> we, we, we've had so much chatter about the, the the trade stuff this week that I've kind of blocked out what, what uh, even happened. The trade, what conver- happened the the trade conversation was our detriment. It distracted you from what could have been. It was a welcome distraction for me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I did have a really bad run out to close out uh, week four with my my quarterback putting up 6.7 points while at the same time feeding my opponents uh, wide receiver and tight end for a total of 43 points combined, which, I mean, the math there is hard. How do you uh, get two players (laughs) a combined 43 points while you score uh, under seven yourself? (laughs) Uh, it's a, a pretty neat trick. It's a cool trick, yeah. No, I mean that's what twenty-four catches for less than two hundred yards will do. I it's, guess it's but, a neat trick. It's you know was he yeah. like behind the end zone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I mean, it, it was definitely a bad end to uh, week four. And yeah, I, I I did have this thought of like, man, I I could have won in week three. I lost by three points. Right. Um, if CD Lamb catches a, a pass where he's wide open, forty yards down the field, yeah. and it just hits him right in the hands, right in the hands. I, I definitely could have won that week. Yeah. And then I, I could have won week four if I had played a different quarterback, or you know, any any number of uh, things yeah. happened there. So, well, um, I'll, give, yeah. I'll give you grace on the the whole streaming aspect because streaming is streaming, and that is the risk you play. The hindsight will always be clear on on streaming options for QB and defense and everything else. But but when it came to the fact that your opponent underperformed the degree, the degree he did, especially early on, and then made the march slow and steady. And to add a poignant touch to it, mind you, landed not near your score, not, not around it, landed on it for about 10 minutes of the, the fourth quarter, stayed on that, I think it was point sixty six tie, for a good eight to 10 minutes, just hovering and then putting the final nail in the coffin in the last couple of minutes of the game. We were, I guess, hoping that that writing of the tie there for a while was just a thumb in the eyeball too. So I, I I'm speaking on behalf of all the league that we wish you were on tilt. We don't like your attitude anymore. (laughs) <laughs> we're sick of it and here, I mean, uh, and here to back me up ladies and gentlemen the the jared lorenz who will talk trade philosophy and 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 uh auction draft dollars later but for now jared tell me i'm wrong oh no he has a terrible attitude it's just <laughs> terrible it's I, unacceptable I, 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 like I guys, I, I wasn't lying last week. I've totally reached acceptance. Like my team is bad. It's not going to win this year. And like it does, it like I want to. I want to win, but it doesn't bother me when I lose anymore. 
And like, it, it baffles my mind that anyone gives one iota of thought to me or my team. Like, it's just totally irrelevant this year. Like, just what a perfect like, not, not a, not, it's, it's not a factor. So like, y'all don't have to think about me at all. Like, go on, live your lives, do your thing. Like, don't worry about me. <laughs> Jared, welcome to the show. Thanks for stepping in and congrats to you for a great draft and a great season launch we've i've been singing your praises for a few weeks peter has been living in a fairy tale but (laughs) hey uh number one number one draft grade right here (laughs) gave to jared so i've been singing his praises from from draft day okay undeserved number one draft grade okay let's not pander in the first three minutes of the show we gotta wait till it looks still looking pretty strong there half an hour in this show before we start dropping that crap. All right. So, uh, Jared, so you, you come out of the gate swinging. I want to talk to you about your draft strategy before we get into further, uh, discussing our, our hopeless commissioner. Uh, when you are thinking about the draft this year, what is different for you based on, last year especially in your performance last year but then just ongoing like league dynamics and league innovation with the trade dollars this year what what was your strategy going into it uh i think there'll be more different next year than this year uh there really wasn't anything different this year so much i don't think okay so how would you sum up your strategy no, why? why? I, can't, I can't. I can't give you the secret sauce. No secret sauce. We can. We can. We can. We can. I, we have the analytics. Um, ah, gosh. Uh, did, uh, did it change your draft strategy at all to start with one hundred ninety-one dollars uh-huh. and and a higher price keeper than, than you probably had before? There with, you go. What cup? Cup was like twenty-six or something like that. So yeah, you kind of you kind of started with less dollars than normal at the beginning of the auction. Did that? Did was that really a factor for you or uh, not so much? Um, it, it was. I really, I, I obviously was kind of bummed to have, it sucks. It sucks when you're on the, the you, you spent some of this year's draft uh, dollars uh, trying to win the year before. Um, but I, I really felt like the value on Cup was still so good, even though it was even though it was more expensive, that I just added it to that. And that's how I thought about it, was that I had a $35 keeper instead of a $26 yeah, keeper. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, that um, makes sense. yeah and you, you still would have kept Cup for $35. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. So I just, I, I, I did the mental gymnastics that way. <laughs> it was different. It, it did, I guess, yes, it did affect me some. Um, gosh, I'll, go, I'll just go back to it. I did not mean to draft Devonte Adams. I just thought he was too cheap at 45. And now I kind of a little bit rue that I did because he hasn't been great. Although I think he could be better. Um, yeah, it just, it's always that first player that we nominate and it's been talked about that. It's always the first player, but every year the first player nominated goes for too cheap. Mm-hmm. It's been Gronk multiple times, I think. Yep. Um, it's been Devonte. It, it can be a running back. It doesn't matter what position; they always go too cheap. Yeah, we didn't notice yeah. it until I think maybe two years ago, maybe last year. But we started going. Wait a minute! Why is this happening? That everybody is so hesitant. We've been so conditioned because we're thinking about our uh, finish of the draft. We've got all of our targets, and we need a couple of bucks if we're going to ensure. <laughs> the draft of our targets 
that we just don't want to overpay. And we're also kind of feeling out, like, what does everybody else think? Like, I know what I think this person's worth, but what does everybody else think? What does the economy of the draft think? And it, it slow plays that first. And so, like, I I think that the the awareness factor of that has increased, and therefore your chances of getting a deal in the first couple of picks in the future, hopefully, may have has decreased because of our awareness. But at the same time, I say that, and lo and behold, what is – past couple of years say it doesn't matter like, like there's some there's some deals to be had so especially if you are uh, the league commissioner and you're like hey everybody look over there squirrel and uh draw your attention away from uh what's happening so i'm not gonna there any uh any lead wide trends or uh behavior that surprised you this year in the draft uh yeah actually um i was surprised that the running backs went for as cheap as they did and that the receivers um, kind of that mid mid range upper tier of receivers went for more um, more a little bit more than I felt like than they have in the past. There weren't as many clear cut values in that tier two tier three. Um, You had to get down into the tier four and even some of the tier four guys went for more than I expected them to, uh, specifically Keenan Allen and Michael Pittman um, went for more. And then you had to get down to the Judy, Amon Ra, Portland Sutton group that that didn't. I will say, you know what I will say, the one thing that I do that I really, it's fun to do. And and if, if you don't do this currently, um, and this is honestly what got me Cooper Cup for $26 last year, is I go in and I put everybody in tiers and I, I do have a list of what I, you know, kind of what fantasy pros or establish the run or whoever thinks they're worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have what I think that what I'd be willing to pay for them, but I've got them in tiers and, and I'm targeting those tiers, not the players necessarily. Yeah. Um, yeah. even though I definitely have players in those tiers that I want and, um, so last year I did I was not on Cooper Cup, but he was in a tier and he just went below the pricing of the other guys. And I really lucked out, frankly, to, <laughs> to get to get him. So yeah, it, and it's fun to build your spreadsheet with the tiers and all that. I, I highly recommend if y'all don't do that right now, do that next year. Spend a little time on it. It's a lot of fun. How many would you tell us how many tiers that you actually have, like in a given position? Uh yeah, it depends. So I I had three tiers at um quarterback mm-hmm. um i have four five six seven one two three four five six yeah because it does depend eight, on your position. eight tiers nine tiers at receiver For receiving sure yeah. yeah so it it varies it varies and the top tiers are small like cup jefferson and chase are are the top tier of wide receivers yeah. and they were all kept so there's not a lot of fun there all right well <laughs> so as the expert of fun you have known been known in the league to have plenty to say about what is most fun and, and what brings the most value to the league that's going to take us shortly to the trade conversations that we have and evaluating the auction draft dollars before we get there though i really do want to say man uh 
how I want to ask a question actually, because you are a formidable fantasy football player, and I want to hear you admit that you're pretty good at this game. Are you willing to do that? <laughs> I. <laughs> I, I try i try to be pretty good at it <laughs> i'm maybe i'm pretty good at it i don't know i listen to a lot of podcasts all off season yeah. so i i will say that i come in with uh knowledge and in and a drafting strategy that uh i've i've spent a lot of road time listening to, to people right. that are better at it than me talk about there you it go. so you're well informed and, uh, I, I, you know, there's a, there's a fine, well, I don't know, not so fine line between, you know, f- humility and admitting that all of this variables in the, in the world of fantasy football, there, that nothing is actually predictable and anything could happen and Hawkins raising all these things, Murphy's law. But then on the other side of the spectrum, you got, you know, full on pandering. So you're people are pretty quick to in our league, especially to, to, to jump on you to dogpile and accuse you of pandering because you may be a realist that comes across as uh, like maybe a little naive to reality when it's like, dude, you are on fire. You're crushing here. You have every chance to win. You're like, well, there goes the season. We're like, okay, buddy. Like how much of that is like, <laughs> feigned humility how much is it authentic humility how much of that is leaning into the unpredictability of fantasy and how much of it is pandering really no it's it's a hundred percent all heart of hearts (laughs) i've heard that before a hundred percent i've heard it before and i should warn you it doesn't always work to give you the advantage to win no this is this is the thing um it's it's a drive to be better. Uh, it's a drive to do better, and a drive to put uh, the best possible team together. Um, I made a mistake this year. I made a big mistake. I drafted Aaron Jones for forty one dollars after letting Saquon Barkley go for forty. Barkley had the higher ceiling. Um, I had him one spot below Jones, which was uh, fear. And um, I kind of talked myself onto Jones right at the end of draft season. And that was a big mistake. And now Saquon is pretty close to, if not the consensus number one um, rest of season. And Aaron Jones doesn't doesn't look like a consistent um, performer. So so stuff like that, that's why I say, um, I mean, my team could be so much better, should be so much better. Mistakes well, like that should not happen. You are uh, currently sitting, what, four and one. I think your your toughest week, your loss, if you will, was was week three. And that was the week that Lamar Jackson put up board like nobody's business, right? He had the game of his life. You just had a couple of, of uh, you had a lot of points on your bench that week. Am I right? Mm-hmm. So I uh, did. Well, and and. You went up against a guy who scored 199. Like the top score of the league, the, 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 the one the one week he lost, the opponent scored 199. So yeah, I mean, yeah. like, and then you know you say, oh, I didn't draft a championship championship caliber team, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. I mean, that comes with a flag flying behind you of back to back championships, right. three and one record, second right. most points in the league. You know, all that all that sort of stuff comes with it. So it's kind of like, well, really. So I you mean, can understand how we'd be like, dude, when you say like, oh man, this is. 
this is terrible. We're like, well, your version of like not good enough compared to our version is, oh man, I I may not have a lock on the championship game like I want to. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the goal though? <laughs> well, sure, but not everybody is as uh, informed or as uh, saturated, I think, in in uh, uh, knowledge as you are. Maybe not. I don't know. But, but, I'm having. But, but, I truly am having fun with it it's it's it is fun it's fun to have won twice especially after feeling like i'd been around for a little while and not won. um yeah i i i guess it's fun honestly the most fun right now is poking fun at windsor um with just little comments because it, it gets his goat more than it gets anybody <laughs> else's goat well uh i would say that Ultimately, my, my perception of you is one that deeply cares about the league and the quality of it. And anytime you've brought attention to something, whether it's a rule and its implications or its impact or a trade consideration or whatever it is that you've highlighted for league consideration, my take has always been that you care about the overall uh, league and its culture and its, uh, call it its consistent fairness for fun and not just self-serving attitude. I don't know. Our commissioner may say I've tried to push the envelope a little too much to be deserving of that high praise. Well, that's why I want to present my side of this perceptive or perspective, because I want to hear Peter's counterpoint, uh, especially in the context of the fact that Peter has been uh, lamented. Hopefully, yeah, just, but, you know, sometimes it's hard to be a uh, commissioner uh, and lead member at the same time. Yeah. No um, right. And uh, cross you carry, right? Am I right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, I, I, I'll tell you, I've been here before, uh, been called into question before as <laughs> t- t- commissioner and my, my role in the integrity of the lead and all that sort of thing. But, uh, we, we, we survive, we, we survive anyway. So. Willing martyr, just <laughs> ready, ready to take the shots, <laughs> not the hero uh, we deserve. Uh, so I, I think, uh, you know, what, one thing, you know, I, I think, um, you know, where Jared and I differ on point of view on fantasy football, uh, I think a, a lot of times is, um, and I feel like Jared often tries to minimize risk as much as possible and, and re- remove some of the variance from the game as much as possible when it comes to like, you know, if we should have defense and tickers rostered sure. and should pass interference calls count for fantasy points and uh, willingness to, you know, chop a pot, you know, if you get down to head playing poker heads up and how quickly you'll be like, Hey, let's just, uh, let's just split it, call it even and uh, not worry about, you know, getting down to a, a winner and loser here. It'll just uh, we'll both walk away with uh, half the pot, you know, those, those sorts of things. Um, and I, I think just personality difference of, with fantasy football, I like having the variance there because I like seeing and experiencing the tilt myself uh, because that variance does create tilting situations where you've got, you know, kickers beating you and it's like, I've done everything right. And I got beat by a kicker, you know, it's like, it's rough, but there it is. <laughs> but then uh, it can go the other way as well, where it can also be you know, a wonderful surprise um, at the same time to, to win in that way or, you know, to ha- 
uh, did down to those last second moments uh, of the game and, and the your matchup be hanging in the balance. Um, so uh, I, I guess I, I prefer, at least for fans football, to uh, to have those wide uh, a much bigger swing in uh, you know have emotion based on things that are outside of my control. Um, then I would say uh, Jared does, but I, I also I, I know uh, Jared also helps uh, keep things in check because he has a different perspective on a lot of things than I do. And so I, I do appreciate that, even though uh may not always agree hundred percent on things. Uh, I, I do know it, it is for the better of the league that we are all here and having this conversation and discussion. And uh, it, it does help us to, you know, iron sharp, iron sharpen, you know, iron uh, sort of thing in the fantasy football world. All right. So, so Pete makes a pretty good point, Jared, in terms of you, you could argue that you are so good at this game. You're so informed that it is to your benefit personally to mitigate the variables, reduce the amount of things that are outside of your control. You would rather not have the call it cushion or handicap of safe points of a DST or a kicker, that kind of thing. You want, you want the manager to be more tested than that. It's both for sure. Uh, yeah, it's, it definitely, some of it is, is born out of, you know, what is, what is set up to make uh, Jared successful in, in fantasy <laughs> football? Um, I feel like kickers and defenses don't make me more successful. They make me less successful. <laughs> um, and so there, there is definitely a piece of that. Now it fits it, it. Peter's exactly right. It fits with my personality overall. So um, I don't, I don't think it's just a, I don't think it's a bias um, born completely selfishly it fits it fits me overall i mean i did purposefully draft the guy who was the number one kicker in points scored last year because i just don't want to mess with the freaking hassle of it and who cares that he has a week six buy like i'm just gonna pick up another kicker and keep that one it just is the way it is so yeah it's it's my style i don't know it's yeah all right well that sets the stage really well if if that's the tension between call it you and Pete's personalities when it comes to variability, where in that spectrum do you feel like you're coming from in the arguments that you've been making this week for auction draft dollar trade? So the, the answer to that is that, that partly, partly I don't like trading draft dollars because trading my draft dollars this year makes it harder to win next year. And I don't want to win this year. I want to win this year and next year, both. Um, and, and the trading of draft dollars, I think makes it harder to win both years. But I also think the trading of draft dollars takes away from fantasy football and makes it a different game completely. It makes it about strategy. It makes it about this, this trade that uh, Fleming and Peter did was a brilliant trade. Absolutely a brilliant trade. It was a perfect trade for both of them. Um, I I'm taking nothing away from the brilliance of that trade. I just, I think that's a different game than trying to win this year. So most fantasy football leagues, as far as I can tell, 
from my relationships and those that uh, I know who are in, call them semi-established leagues. They've been around for a couple of years. The turnover rate is ridiculous. The rule changes are a revolving door. Uh, the uh, even the platforms change year to year. Who's commissioning changes year to year. Nobody is really thinking beyond the season because their commitment level to their leagues isn't really beyond a season or two. Maybe it, it doesn't feel like that. Peter, you're in more leagues. You know more guys that play than I do. I, I've been a, a single league member for a while now and kind of committed. Is that a generic truth or is it? Am I just off base there? I think it's. I think it's true. I think you know ninety percent of fantasy football leagues is only contained with that season within that season you know even in other leagues that i'm in that have been going on for a while they're usually not even keeper leagues it's you know a fresh you have a fresh new team every year Mm -hmm. where in our league we did attach to players so like we we attach players to certain managers like seth alvin tamara's your guy because you kept him for a few years right Michael Thomas is Brock's guy. Cooper Cup is Jared's guy. You know, it's like the New York Giants are Michael Fitz's guys. <laughs> any anyone on the Giants, Michael. <laughs> um, we we kind of have these connections between players and our elite members because we have this year to year and you know more of a, a long term outlook right. on on the league that we're not just playing for this season. We know we're going to be here next year as well. Um, and so that is definitely, it's a huge difference from most fans football leagues. Yeah. But, but if that's true, that's, that's a counterpoint to you, Jared, because that actually validates Peter's rebuild thinking. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's a great way to play. It's, it's, it moves our league closer to a dynasty type feel, which we're not a dynasty league, you know, we, sure. we're keeping one player. Um, it, yeah, it moves us a lot closer to a dynasty feel, and I think that's fine, and, and I can absolutely get on board with that. A little bit of my tweaking on this one is I, I felt like I've tried to pull off trades in the past that were more uh, long-term focused mm-hmm. and have been given the answer, hey, we need to, to keep the, the current season value has to be close. Uh, the trade dollars... They, they're, they're thrown in to kind of even out a trade at the end, but the trade has to be close. So maybe my misunderstanding on the, the rules, uh, unwritten or written sure. of the trades, and that's kind of been my question here, um, is how close do the in-season values need to be? Because otherwise, you can sell a championship. Brock could say, hey, um, my season isn't going well. Who do I want to win the championship? And I can go make it more possible for that person to win mm-hmm. the championship. And and that may be fine, but do we really want to introduce that? I don't know. Um, yeah, that's kind of my question and yeah. thoughts on that. Yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, there is definitely the slippery slope component to it. This is still very new. This is, that's right. Yeah, to me, to me, the, the, the option to trade auction dollars is an interesting idea that opens up more options and more layers of strategy than we've ever had before, um, for sure. And it's unproven yet if it works or not. Uh, if it if it works for the lead 
or not is unproven. Right now we have our opinions, but we have a half season of experience with it. That's right. And it's definitely something that we can continue to discuss and bring up for a vote every year. Um, and that's what we did last year. We brought up for a vote, like, hey, did we like this? And we got 10 votes and eight were in favor of keeping it. So we're, we're keeping it. But you know, next year, we'll bring it up and say, hey, did we like this? And we'll keep it in. So um, when we find out, when we find that it is broken and it is not working, and we've got a majority vote that says, all right, we got to do, do something different here. Mm-hmm. Then we will. And that's what we did last year. We, we, we put some, some bounds on it, some, some limits on it, right. To say, all right, you can't trade all $20 yeah. at once for, yeah, cause, you know, because you could buy the championship and buy yeah. next year's win. Yeah. 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 So you can't trade, you know, the, the, the full allotment at once, you know, in a, in a very, you know, lopsided trade, uh, because, that that just feels icky, you know. Like no, no one, no one looks at it and it's like, eh, you know, everyone just looked at it and it's like that doesn't feel right, you know. Or, uh, and it's like it is subjective. It is hard to put, you know, a, a quantifiable value on player A and player B plus auction dollars. You know, how do you get them to like match up? You can't like quantify it, right? right? But um, it's just sort of that like. Uh, icky factor to it <laughs> does do, does it feel like we're, we're we're keeping the spirit of the game here are are both managers really doing everything that they can to make their team better or is you know or, or do we just have it doesn't feel like it's just one manager either taking advantage of the other or one manager who's just like trying to help out another and doesn't really care about you know what it means for making his team better or or, or even giving everyone in the lead the same opportunity. You know, I think that's another thing is like everyone in the lead should have the same opportunity. If someone's trading auction dollars, everyone should get a chance to go for those auction dollars and, 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 you know, let the free market system play out of who's going to make the best offer or whatever. So that that manager who is um, trading or receiving trading for or receiving auction dollars is giving everyone a, a fair shot at them. Sure. Um, you know, in, in which case I didn't do that this time. I didn't ask everyone if, you know, like, Hey, I'm looking at a trade Jonathan Taylor for $10 of auction back because I knew exactly what I wanted. And it was exactly the player type that I got from Chris Olave at the draft cost that I got. And so like, I was going to ask Jared, do you want to trade Chris Olave and uh, Fleming? And if he said yes, then I'm going to do it. If he said no, then I was going to sit. Like I may have gone and asked about Drake London or um, something like that, but I, I, there was no one else. Like There was like those two guys, rookie wide receivers who are already earning target shares in their offense and would be good keeper values next year. Those were the only, only players I would be interested in. Hmm. And so um, you know, it was a, a very specific situation for this deal for me. And you know, it, yeah, I it, I did it. It's subjective, so it's uh, I can't you know set a firm boundary on what the rules are. Where you know wh- where do we cross the line into that icky factor? But I hope at least for this trade, I could make a valid argument to anyone who questions it uh, as to why I want to do it. Because clearly, it looks like I'm getting screwed out of this deal, right? Like I'm I'm trading you know a number one or number two draft pick for a guy who is going in the seventh or eighth round. Um, it looks like I'm getting screwed, but I could make the argument of why I want to do it and I hope I could 
make a valid point. And that's there. only received as valid if you understand what we were talking about a minute ago, and that is that we are a league that thinks well beyond the season. Like if if you're just thinking and limited to the season, it it makes no sense at all. Uh, it is uh, like propping up somebody at best. It's phoning it in and then just selling off your stuff to the highest bidder just because you want to screw somebody else. Like that's how it would be perceived if we were a one season league period, but we're not. And, and the more we lean into that, the more value, because I mean, Peter, you're zero and four. I'm, I'm sorry for that because coming from the man who just had to film an NFL combine, like I, I don't, <laughs> I do not want or wish as much as I want you as the villain to freaking just be mad and be on tilt every now and then. Like I, I don't wish losing, the greatest fantasy football league in the world on anybody. So yeah, what is your best move? It's to think about the next season and what are those two chess pieces? It's keeper and it's auction. Well, as of this year, it's auction draft dollars. Those are your, those are your chess pieces. And so you just made a move that gave you option for both. And that is well played and it's not too early to do that at zero and four. Uh, yeah, probably, I guess. I don't know that the, I don't know that the timing matters. If you really believe that your team isn't isn't there, you might as well do it. The earlier, the better. Okay. Well, then that's what the distinction comes down to: is are we are we okay thinking long term and letting that value actually have its day inside our current trades? Well, I think I'll say that the biggest argument, you know, the, this trade or this um, rule was not my idea, not really my baby. I'm the arbiter of it. Um, and, and now I guess by default, I've become the fanboy of it because I've just made this trade, (laughs) (laughs) but but once again, you just managed to thread that needle. Why why does everybody hate you? I can't remember. What is it like? (laughs) If, if there was a majority vote to get rid of it, I'd get rid of it, you know? So it's like, as the commissioner, I'm I'm going with what the lead has said. The lead voted, voted it in and the lead voted to keep it. Yeah. Um, so it, we, we're we're rolling with it for now. But if I were to make an argument for it, the biggest argument I would make for it is that the worst part of fantasy football is when someone checks out yeah. and stops managing their team and stops caring. Here, here. Even if it's one person out of twelve, it hurts the whole lead because then everyone looks at that you know that team on their schedule is like, oh, that's an easy win, and yeah. everyone else is like, oh, you know, crap. This you know, I need this guy to lose, and he's playing this guy who has three injured players in a starting lineup and doesn't care, you know, so keeping everyone engaged the whole season. And yeah, we can say, Oh, we've all been doing this for so long. We've all been here. We're invested. No, surely no one's ever going to quit on a season, but we also have rules in place that are intentionally there to help people help keep everyone engaged because we have the, um, you know, prize, the cash prize for the highest weekly finish that's there. So that no matter where you are, you're trying to score the most points in a week. We have the toilet bowl prize, which is there. So that if you're in losers bracket, you're still trying to win and play out the season. We have the last place punishment so that you are trying to not lose trying all the way. Lose. To, to the <laughs> end, right? So it's like most of our bylaws, most of our rules are there because we care about the community of our, fantasy football league and keeping people engaged throughout the entire season. And because of this additional strategic layer, this, you know, long-term thinking is a rule that's there to continue to build investment in the league 
and engagement in the lead for both this year and future seasons. So that, that, that's, that's the biggest argument I can make for it. It's, it's, it's a rule that's there to build longevity in the lead and, you know, forward thinking and engagement current season, no matter what your win loss record is, you have a reason to continue to pay attention and be a part of what we're doing here altogether. Cause that's what we care about. We want everyone to be a part of what we're doing. That's right. And yeah. Jared, you're a very strategic thinker and you're thinking short and long-term both in this season and in the seasons ahead. And that's when I said earlier about how your, your motive, I know what it is. It is because you're forecasting in ways that not everybody does because you're seeing potential implications of what could be based on precedent that's set on trades now and its impact on later uh, exchanges and things like that. I, I play a lot of spades. Uh, I, Allie and I love playing spades and uh, in our house, we, so whoever taught us to play spades like 15 years ago, uh, taught us the, the two of clubs leads rule. And that's how we've always played, which is great. It's a great rule because it keeps a variable into every single hand, which means that uh, there is no, it's like a kicker. It, it's like having a kicker on your team. Nobody knows who is going to lead or where that trick is going to start from, from right off the bat. That is actually not a spades rule I learned. That's a, a rule from the game of hearts that was a, adopted into spades. And we never knew that. That's just our house rules. And it's a great rule. But the problem is if you have the two of clubs and your partner goes nil, your partner is toast. And if you get out of bidding order, that is the one variable moment in the game of spades that your partner is, is totally screwed because that rule ruins nil. So you have this check and balance that's working really well for one purpose, but then on this really unique offset, when a couple of things have to line up perfectly for it to go bad, you're toast. I think that analogy is where we are in trying to figure out what is the implication of the trade dollars in the auction draft, having them early on and, and as an advantage going into the draft and then using them to set up your situation or your, your you know, next season ahead? We don't know the full implications. We're willing to admit there could be some really serious implications. And I think that what I see you doing is waving the flag and saying, this is one of those really serious implications. And the question that I'm asking why I say I don't know if we have enough data to make the ruling is to say, I don't know if that situation is a rare moment because of all the things that have to line up for that to happen. Or is it just systemic where, yeah, no, it's disrupting nearly every hand that we're playing here. Yeah, absolutely. It, it should not be a rare moment. Um, if, if we, if we proceed with this, which again, it, it's, uh, it's maybe not the way I think we should proceed. And I don't, uh, gosh, this may sound bad. Uh, when something new is, is tried, is put forth, there's usually an adoption time, a time that it takes to adopt and figure out the right way to play. And someone kind of figures it out or thinks they have an idea and they try it. And then others, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. So maybe others follow, maybe they don't. Um, I I really believe that um, in this environment, at least four teams at the end of the year should have twenty extra dollars of auction budget, and and probably the four strongest teams should be down twenty dollars next year. Yeah. Um, and going all in trying to win this year, 
Um, so I don't think it's an infrequent thing. Uh, and that's fine. Like that, that just creates a different game. It's, it's an awesome game. You know, in some ways that creates more parody. If everybody functions within the game on, at a similar skill level, it creates more parody because you're going to have trouble winning down $20 next, next year. Um, I guess my, my big question is, do we care about current season value? And I'll put, I'll put out a very, um, I'm going to put out a, an extreme situation. Jamar Chase is one of the top, top players in the game. He's a young player. He should be good for a long time, right? Let's say that Jamar Chase next offseason isn't going to be kept. Let's say where he's in training camp and he suffers a season-ending ACL, uh, torn ACL, and he's, so he's not kept because he, he suffered that injury, and he's not drafted, right? Except he is drafted. He's drafted for a dollar or $2 or $3. Because in our league right now, you, if you draft someone, you can keep them even if they were already injured. Okay, so we kept him for a dollar. Okay, or we we draft him for a dollar, and then IR um, and let him ride. Yeah, IR. We're going to keep him there all year, but then um, someone else drafts Jonathan Taylor, who's doing awesome, or whoever that's doing awesome. Um, and then there's a swap of those two players. The guy who who drafted Jonathan Taylor miraculously, his team sucks, and miraculously the. The guy who Not drafted so miraculously. The one. We were all most of us were saying it was a C team at best, except for the owner. But go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so then, then is it is that a could we just? I mean, that would be a great keeper. J- Jamar would be a great keeper the next year. Is that a fair? I mean, he's not going to play all year. Like, is that a fair trade? Is that a an allowable trade? There's no value this season. Where's the line? I guess is the question that I really. Well, and that comes back to that dichotomy, that that tension between this season and long-term building and and where does the value fit? And Peter made the argument to say, well, I'm, you know, leaning into the long term here. And you're saying, yeah, but at what point does that tip into really disrupting the current season? Well, what what I hear Jared saying, which he has said before to his credit, is that um, you know, as commissioner, I need to set the rules to save the lead from Jared. Um, because it will be systemic if i'm involved it will be systemic because if if the rules are not there to protect the lead from jared he will go right up to the edge of them like like with this scenario that you just described never even thought about it i never thought about it but obviously jared has and and that it that could create an icky feeling to the deal right but who's the real villain of the league is what peter's asking I, I think what I said earlier still holds, though, is that we need to let the free market system work in that situation where if if someone is looking to trade that one dollar Jamar case Jamar Chase keeper on IR, it needs to be more than just a, a you know one to one conversation with one other manager. It needs to be opened to the whole lead of like, hey, I'm looking to trade. Jamar Chase at, at his keeper value, mm-hmm. so I can get a stud player back to compete more this year, mm-hmm. and see you know who comes in with the best offer, right? And then open it up, and it's be like it, it's how like kind of have this community component to it of you know manager A offered me this, you could top it if you give me this, 
and let it work itself out. Like in this case, like I said, I didn't do that. I probably should have done that, but I also, I didn't, I didn't use my commissioner powers to push the trade through right away either. You know, I let, I let it hang out there and, and then just process whatever, like, I don't know, it's 48 hours or 24 hours later. It felt like a long time later that it actually processed. Um, so I, I didn't get, um, you know, I didn't get any other offers. No, no one else came with like, you know, Hey, I wish you would have asked me before you traded Jonathan Taylor. Um, uh, and you know, I don't know if anyone could have offered me anything else. Like I said, Olave was exact, exactly, exactly what I wanted. So, um, you know, I think that that would probably be my one counter as commissioners. I won't push those trades through right away. If it involves auction dollars, they've got to be out there for 24 hours. And that is, you know, totally the, uh, you know, you're, you've sold your house and it's pending, you know, pending closure, right. Where, you know, something could fall through, um, someone could come in with a better offer and, uh, you know, the one of the managers would say, Oh, I got a better offer, you know, done a, um, you know, reopen the bidding on, you know, on this kind of deal or something, something like that um, would probably be the, the way I would suggest we handle that for now as a, as a temporary um, provision and, and that sort of extreme example. That feels like a policy that could be implemented when it comes to trades that involve auction draft dollars. The idea that had this draft or excuse me, had, had this trade option been publicized, like, hey, this is what's on the block, and this is my, these are my interests, this is what I'm looking for, that to me brings a level of integrity to the free market that you're describing, Pete, that I think protects the things that Jared is in fact trying to protect. Because it reminds us, oh yeah, no, we're not just in this league for this year. And we can all believe and recognize if we were in Pete's situation that he's in right now, that we'd probably, if we're honest, be thinking the way he's thinking right now too. And if we put ourselves in his shoes, that there's probably an inflated value for what he's thinking about next year and that keeper and those auction dollars. Like, I think we could admit that, but having the chance to know that Jonathan Taylor's for sale with those terms and to make an offer that, that I think that would have decreased the amount of drama around this because it, it takes away the sense of collusion or just uh, favoritism. I think that that might be the underlying issue is to be like, if it's a back channel conversation, if we never had the opportunity to speak into it, it does run the risk of feeling like favoritism where you're just trying to prop up the manager of your choice. Which was not the case here in any way. I have no doubt. Yeah, honestly, I don't know if I really... Yeah, like I didn't pay attention to who the manager was. I just right. No, I'm <laughs> I, not just, Sorry. Yeah, hear me, I hear me. No, 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 no. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but like in this case, like I, I that you know favoritism component of like who I want to win or you know who right. am I trying to screw right. over it never never crossed the my mind. Of the but see, that's what's happening in all these other leagues. That's where all the drama is, and all of these other conversations that are short sighted. They are doing. They're vetoing trades because they don't want anybody else to have an advantage They're like oh what's this trade look like oh no i'm playing him next week i don't want that trade to go through what you're describing is in terms of free market like that that aspiration of let the free market handle the value that requires the public discord of hey this is who's available this is what i'm looking for these are my interests and i'm having these conversations and this is what i'm looking for i'd like to get a strong keeper for next year and I'd like to go in with auction dollars. May the best offer win. Like that to me just created a sense of competition. And now there's variables. And I had every chance to be involved in that trade and advocate for it as opposed to 
you know, checking the, the, the trade update and being like, wait, what, what just went through and why, and what happened? And is Peter just phoning it in? There's silence breeds suspicion. And if we can avoid the silence of trades that have potential season implication that are clearly meant for next year or beyond building that I think the, the safety net Jared is public discord. I think, I think avoiding the silence would have helped in this moment. Maybe, maybe not. I think, I think with the two, I think with the two people who, who voiced strong opinions, I think one of them just doesn't like this at all. And, and will absolutely move forward with it, but doesn't really like it at all. And I think the other one, the other one being me, uh, refers without it feels like he's tried to get there before. Uh, I think the subjectivity of this one, um, I think the heart of hearts of this one to the, the person pushing the commissioner button, uh, this is not a dig at integrity in any way. I really do believe, uh, my my values if we're playing it this way i think i think potentially seth yours and i trade our original trade from last season could have gone through if we were playing it under these rules that's fair um that's a fair point. and so uh, i feel like it's a little bit of a moving goalpost which was some of my so the the two no the two who i think voice strong opinions anti this trade uh i don't think that it would have been helped so much, but I do think that this conversation is good because we know where things are. Um, it's been talked about more publicly. That's it. Um, not because it had been hidden before. It just hadn't been talked about to this level. Right. But that is the antidote to collusion. You're not hiding anything. And that, that curbs the, the sense of that suspicion and, you know, doubt and, oh, he just back channeled this conversation to prop him up and get the best keeper. And, and now we're all screwed this year and we're screwed in the draft, like both. And like you just gave this player the best, you know, running back. And now we're toast against him this year. And also you're going into next year. Mm -hmm. So you just screwed us not one season, but two. Right. I I just, I think that if we're going to do that, it requires some public discord. uh, And two, it requires the league to accept that we are, in essence, like you said, Jared, a dynasty league. We just have one keeper. Um, I think, like, if we go back to the example of last year's trade, that you know, between the two of you, that we basically said, "Well, we got to change the rule here." Right. It was a RB one and a wide receiver one for fifteen dollars of auction value. There's no keeper value. Is fifteen? Is you know, two players that were top twelve. Or close to it at the position. Maybe Deontay Johnson was wide receiver too. So uh, it's always so hard to remember past seasons of like, yeah. you know, how valuable was Keenan Allen five years ago? Um, you know, like that was like one. Jared, uh, I was looking. I don't. I, I was looking for examples of, of trades I vetoed. Um, you know, going through old emails, and there was one that was like maybe 2016 and involved Keenan Allen, and uh, and it, it, the comment in there mentioned something about keeper value, where Keenan Allen's keeper value wasn't, um, you know, that strong. To, to you know justify this you know the, the difference in this trade i think keenan allen was hurt for the year so he was on ir so it's kind of mm-hmm. a similar situation you brought up um jared but uh you know i can't remember like well how you know now how much how much 
was he worth, you know, how big was that cap uh, and created super value. But last year it was basically an RB one and a wide receiver one or wide receiver two for $15 of auction um, and, and three bench players who had no, no keeper value. Right. And so, you know, we, we put the rule like, all right, no more than $10 in a trade um, because that was, that, that was part of it where it's like, okay, you're trading two players for $15. Um, we should split that up. So you can't, do both at the same time. It's basically like, you know, those two players were valuable enough that you could trade one for 10 and another for 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also this would have helped in that situation of that trade is accepted. It becomes open bidding season on those players to try to put in a better offer. It basically, it's like everyone else is trying to put in a better offer to, to get that trade canceled, to compel the person trading you know, the either auction dollars or trading the you know players to help this season to convince them that you can put in a better offer to get them to cancel it. Mm-hmm. And if you cannot convince them to cancel that trade, if you know the other 10 lead members can't convince either side to to get a better offer and to cancel that trade, then the trade should go through 24 hours later. That's right. And and I think you're absolutely right because we needed both and we needed the parameters on the auction dollars because we didn't have the rules. And I knew that I wasn't going to win last season. I did not think I was going to lose last season, but I knew I wasn't going to make the playoffs by, I don't know, around week three. And my instinct was, all right, kind of similar to you, Pete. It's like, what can I do to set myself up within our current parameters for next year? Well, I mean, it holds the spirit of like the auction draft, even where you should have, you know, everyone should have the opportunity to get their bid in on every player. Yeah. And so it's not just carrying that over into the season a little bit that um, no one should feel like they're left out. Uh, Everyone's equal opportunity here in in the best way. Yeah. If free market is the answer, then it has to be a true free market. Everybody has to have the chance to buy. So hopefully I'm not trying to convince anyone. I feel like everyone's pretty dug in on their positions, but hopefully we can reach a, a greater level of understanding of of uh, our positions, and I still have an open mind about this. I'm totally. I tried open. to play it neutral. I hope y'all don't feel like I'm dug in. I tried to be the uh, moderator <laughs> here. Maybe I've shown well, my cards. I, I feel like uh, Jared and Chris are dug in. <laughs> okay, and I, I am, you know, de facto dug in, and everyone else is Switzerland in the league. Like, there's, but we have. We we have we have nine neutral parties to this uh, debate in the league. Uh, I started right now, tonight so. going. I am hosting the national debate on uh, in this yeah. corner. Heavyweight, two time champion Jared. <laughs> like like I I genuinely want to argue or stand in both circles, and I I think I genuinely can, uh, because Jared is making very valid points and arguments, which are valid now, but I think what he's really doing is just putting a stake or, or a pin in it for when it comes down to, in fact, I think he admitted as much because he actually referenced his own comment and said, just leaving this here for when we come back to it in the <laughs> off season to actually vote on it. <laughs> so he's literally putting a pin in it and making his arguments known and understood now so that nobody forgets in the passage of time and go, ah, oh, it wasn't that it was no, just one no, it's week. for when I push the envelope later. <laughs> it's for when I push the envelope All later, right. so I can point back to this Strategy. and say that one was okay. Strategy. I love that. Well, tell you what, Jared, I'll, I'll say this. You have been, once again, an exceptional winner and an exceptional, uh, uh, I guess, manager this season and a great podcast guest tonight. But I'll say this. 
What I'm most grateful for, Jared, is that last week you gave Peter enough false hope to believe that he could win, and you waited until the last possible second to beat him. And for that, I am so grateful. Just thank you. Thank you. You're so welcome. We we all knew it was going to happen all along. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would expect nothing less. Hey, good luck this week, uh, Jared. We didn't talk much about week five, but you're up against uh, the equally hot Chris, the barbecue disciple Windsor, and he is 4-0, and you got a tough matchup ahead of you. Man, we're coming to the midpoint almost, guys. We got 0-4 up against another tough week on uh, Charles with, with Pete's matchup. He predicted two losses. Charles, I just ask that you give Pete as much false hope that Jared gave him. That would just that would make my weekend. I, I'd love to come back down to <laughs> <I> it. <need> false <laughs> hope. <laughs> In this matchup, something will have gone terribly wrong for Charles. <laughs> terribly wrong. Na- Naheem Hines did three looks to start the game. One one carry, two targets, and then concussed. He was probably he was probably gonna score twenty five points if he didn't get concussed. Yeah. Even with a dumpster fire of a game it was, he was probably gonna find a way to catch twelve passes sure. uh, and then sure. out. So that's my season. That's, that's it. about as close to groveling as we can get here on the greatest fantasy football league in the world. This is his podcast. He's Peter Elwood. That's Jared Lorenz. I'm Seth Martin. Thanks for tuning in. Good night.